Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Cork, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, all the way from his bait, no, he's in this attic, I guess, whatever. Anyways, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Stephen Parsons. I'm most certainly not in the attic. I'm in the office. Where the hell are you? In the attic. (laughs) You've got me saying it now. I'm in the office on the first floor for you Americans, which is the... the, uh, Second floor. Second floor. How couldn't you get that right? How can the first floor be on the second? Well, it isn't. We have the ground floor. You walk in, it's the first floor. Then you you go up to the the second floor. You're walking onto the ground floor. Yeah, whatever. Because the flat floor's at ground level. Yeah, if you say so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, anyways, we're supposed to have a guest, but evidently the psychic failed to realize that it was a guest. No, he's, he says he's online, and he says that it's all working, but it's obviously not yet. So, um, hmm. yeah. Um, we're going to keep trying to communicate with the guest, and we can use, I, we'll use Skype instead I, of psychic I, I can. I can do it uh, telepathically. You could. Oh, yes, you, could, no. you could. You could. You could. We do have a I guest can, eventually, hopefully. I can link to him. I can link to him. Go on, then. You do that, then I'll make. Um, and oh, we'll oh, oh, oh I see. What, I see what the problem is. He's, he doesn't know what to wear. Huh? He doesn't know what to wear. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the problem. He, he doesn't know what to wear. Yeah, for those who don't know, Andrew likes to dress up, perhaps more than I. But uh, yeah, that's the problem. So tell them to pick an outfit and let's get this going. Right. So. Well, apparently, according to Andy, who's talking to me on Facebook messaging, mm-hmm. he's got his Skype open and he's got no missed calls. Now, when Togina are calling him, I can see it's the correct person. Mm-hmm. So this could be paranormal, you know. It could be. Um, so it says, uh, it says he's offline. To them, but he's online to us. So this I wonder is so if I could. Exciting. It isn't at all exciting, is it? Really? I think it's really exciting. You know, you I reckon? Mean, Actually, yeah. do you know what? What is strange is it does show as him offline on my Skype. See. So let me. You anyway. You you tell people what you're doing, and I'll see if I can find. I'm not guests. doing anything. I'm actually pretty boring. So whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nothing's going on. My life is, uh, you know, pretty much boring. So, yep, there you go. There's the show. Uh, well, uh, production, if you can hear me, he is online. Yeah, here. Okay, you know, talk me through this. How to add somebody to a call? <laughs> <laughs> I can the gold him. standard of ghost hunting. Okay, ghost, Mr. Parasites can't yeah. add somebody to Skype. Okay, fine. Uh, how do you do that then? Add to 
Or is there an add to call option? I, I've got call, instant message, send MSS. Oh, I can block God. him. I can lock him. I can delete him. <laughs> yeah. You see the big blue button? Well, that's weird, because he is definitely uh, unavailable. This is so exciting. Hang on, I'm telling him that as we speak. This is going to be a hell of a podcast, isn't it? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh, let's ignore him. I usually do. Anyway, so uh, we'll right along. Uh, I, oh, we, we haven't... Uh, Thanksgiving here in the U.S. I don't know. Oh, you know what, what, what is? Yeah, tell us about Thanksgiving. I mean, what is it Americans are giving thanks for? Being American? Uh, no, surviving the. Uh, you know, getting because we have food from the harvest. We can have food so that we can survive the terrible winter where it's about to come to us, and we are surviving the harvest of what Walmart. What are you talking about, Walmart? Well, that's where you get your food, isn't it? No, it isn't. Huh? I don't know where you come up with this stuff. You don't go out to the woods hunting, shooting, and fishing. Of course we do. Yeah. You didn't yeah. when I was over there. You went to you went to Market Basket. No, 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 no. God, where's this guest? <laughs> Thanksgiving. Oh, here, we've got production telling us here. Oh, anyways. Uh, hor- go ahead. Apparently it's horrible. I remember two-faced people called LOL. All right, so let's get this podcast. So, anyways, we've been getting a lot. I've been getting a lot of pictures lately. People asking me to comment on it, and um, yeah. my my good friend Mr. Parson has uh, been able to help me out with some of them. But you know, you always make a uh, a comment about something uh, about if if let's put it this way. I'm trying to now if somebody has a photo uh, and they want us to really look at it. What does it have to be in? I mean, what do we need so that we can get do our best and uh, give them the the proper, uh, uh, you know, attention to this? Uh, ideally, we do need the as close to the original um, picture as possible. So, you know, rather than uh, because the the one that you most recently sent me had been cut and pasted from, had been trimmed, it had been enhanced, or it had been. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when they do that, whenever you do that, whenever a picture is taken with a digital camera, uh, two files are actually recorded. One is the image itself, which we're all familiar with, the, the JPEG or whatever it is. The other one is called an EXIF file, uh, an EXIF file. Now, that tells the, everybody um, a lot of information about the camera about the settings that we used when it when the picture was taken, so the shutter speed, where the flash was used, the ISO, um, a lot of information. Also, mod- in modern cameras, it also uh, tells you the location. It geotags the picture using um, uh, either GPS or some other method. And with that information, you can actually tell a great deal about the picture itself, you know, the shutter speed, whether it was taken with a slow shutter speed or whether the flash was used. Um, and that, those details can then be put into uh, software and can uh, help, the, help us to understand more about the nature of the picture. 
Okay, so if so, all right, somebody takes a picture, say with their, their camera, because everybody uses camera nowadays, right? Yeah. So what would they, how should they, what should they do to get the camera? We've taken the picture, it's on the camera. What should they do to get it so that it can be analyzed properly? Uh, simply copy it rather than um, do anything else. What do you mean copy it? Um, instead you have of to download it, right? Well, yeah, download it from the camera, obviously, and then okay. if you if you simply copy and paste to us, then that will keep the information intact. So all that all that extra information will will uh, come across as um, you know with the picture. All right, so that will all that information that we we need is is on there, right? Yeah. All right, so if they just do that, then we're all set. And we would have all the proper information that we would need, right? Yeah. Okay, makes sense. So it, right. it, it does help us. Um... Now, when they send it, do they send it as a attachment, or should they send it in the proper email? Uh, you can send it. It's a simple attachment to the email. Now, this is weird because now I've got Andrew Taylor, I've got our guest calling me, but if I answer him, that won't, I can't add him to the call. So what I need to do... Yeah, yeah, you just add, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't give me that option, weirdly. Um, I'm trying to yes, send now... It's, it's the little blue button, add participants. So no, I haven't got that little blue button. I keep, I, I don't know where it's gone. I don't have it. It's right in your face. Well, it's gone now. Hang on. Okay, whatever. So embarrassing. Anyways, so, okay, so that's what people do. Just copy that thing. Yeah, the plus sign. <laughs> Sorry, I've just been driven mad here by, uh, by Skype. Huh? Yeah, you don't need to. I, I've, got, I've got our guest calling me, and it's driving me mad because I'm trying to, he keeps cutting in on the call. Because he's calling me, and I, I, I can't actually add him. There is no add to call button, but I'm trying to do if he doesn't keep, um, is send. Um, okay, yeah. so... Let, Isn't let, it weird? modern technology yeah, great. anyway. Right. So, okay. Production, here is... Here's so, new it, Skype contact. Try that one. Right, anyway, continue. Yeah, if they attach the file to uh, a, a message to us, to an email to us... Um, that will continue to con that will have that exif that exif data still attached to it, which means that we can actually look at the picture in a more meaningful way and say something constructive and helpful about it, um, rather than trying to just peer at the picture and hope that we can you know glean some information. Which we I mean we can actually do. You can look at a picture and you can you can say some things about it. Um, with a degree of certainty, because if there's motion blur, or if if the picture was taken in low light, uh, low light, um, then well, yeah. if you say that it was a slow shutter, you can you can usually tell if um, if if a, you know you can look at the resolution, you can look at some things without having that information. As indeed, okay, there he is. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, that's all right then. Finally. What went wrong? You did. All right. Evening, Ron. Yeah. Oh, you're there. That's good. <laughs> I thought I was in some sort of limbo then. Pretty much you were. And still are. 
I thought I'd actually transfer because I lost the old tablet in the, the fire and I thought I'd transfer the account over. Apparently, I didn't. Ah, so, so they've now got the new account details. All right, so there you go. Everything's copacetic. So we can we can get back online now. So. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so there you go. So, uh, Steve, uh, you want to introduce, I guess? Yeah. Um, Andy has been on the show several times before, uh, most famously for the live investigations that Andrew and I have conducted together at some of the Welsh castles, live on Ghost Chronicles International. Andrew is a period reenactor which is a polite way of saying that he likes dressing up. Um, he hasn't yet done women's clothes, I don't think. Well, at least not publicly. I have. I uh, the privacy of my own home. Yeah. Um, he's also a model maker of some, rep- of some repute. And surpri- I was surprised this week to discover that he was all dressed up um, with nowhere to go to go off and collect an award uh, for being a top psychic medium, uh, which came as a big surprise to wait a minute wait and a minute. i thought well the, i want to find out more so i want to drag him back um in front of the judges the judging panel here and find out what the award was for who gave it who gave it to him and why on earth uh, sorry and why they gave it to him yeah, exactly. unfortunately i can't say anything because i've not yet got it Oh. I've got to collect what? it, and I'm not. I'm not allowed to actually divulge anything until I've got it. <laughs> well, so why the hell do we have him on the show? Well, he's, <laughs> well, he's going to tell us. He saw because... it on my post, <laughs> and well, he thought I'll grab him for that. See what it is. Well, Rather do you know what? Well, do you know what? See this, seeing it as our guest was vain enough to promote himself all over social media as an award-winning medium. Oh, um, I am. And. and, and and got a bit ahead of himself. I think he should answer these salient questions: who, what, where, why, when, how, and how, how on earth did that no, happen? They won't. They won't give me. I don't my care. Own if I do that, I'm no, not I don't. Dis- I, 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 I think, I, I, Andrew. I think the most important thing is what I would like to know is how much money you get with this water. More importantly, how much money did you pay to get the award? <laughs> I think it, we know about awards from uh, previous experience, myself and Steve, and uh, they're not all they're cracked up to be, basically. So I don't put a lot of credibility in them. Um, it's just how popular it got, really, and it's just just case of getting everybody you can to sort of you know support you in that and, and to vote for you. And it's more of a, a popularity contest than any sort of measurement of your skill as a medium or, or whatever they're, they're, they're for, really. So... Yeah, right. it's, it's where, like very minor. Whereabouts, whereabouts is this award uh, located? You can't say that. You can't. In a vault somewhere. No, I mean, whereabouts? Is it a regional? Is it national? Is it international? It's, region, it's regional. Okay. okay. And you how many a, people, do you get a trophy? Many, well, how many people were you up against? I mean, a cast of, you know... Two. One. Two? Three? <laughs> no, more than... About ten, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an East Anglian award. Right. Um, so what's East Anglia? Did, did, what, what, what did you self-nominate? Well, East, Ang- East Anglia is, the, is a region of the United Kingdom comprising three... It's a bit like New England um, in that it comprises three, three or four states. Over here, three or four counties over on our east coast. That's Norfolk, Suffolk. Yeah, Summers? Yeah, the, the, the mid-summers. Not, not, yeah. not stuff on the Welsh, the pig's head. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's like midsummers. Um, so they're called collectively East Anglia because they are the place where the Angles, that ancient tribe of uh, dual heritage people, 
um, with the Saxons first migrated to the United Kingdom, which wasn't obviously. I thought that was quite... the Iceni that were here. No. Um, uh, well, anyway, they wandered over. Why is it called East Anglia? It's not East Icania. Well, why do, why, what are the Iceni to do with then? I don't um, know. Were they already here? Uh, yes, yes, the Icani. Yes, the Icani were, were all were there first because they're pre-Roman. They, they, they were the indigenous population. Then. The, Angle, the Angles arrived after the Romans uh, buggered off. They're the Viking types. So wait, wait, wait. all right. So oh, we're, we're, no, wait, they're, they're, wait, they're Norse. So wait, 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 yeah, well, in, well, in terms of, for, for our American listeners, for our American wait a listeners, while we're on heritage, so, wait a minute. While we're on heritage, yeah. I. I I noticed something today, and, and somebody told me there is no such race as the English. I don't think there is. Huh? We're, su- we're such mongrels. Well, of course there is. Where from? Well, that's, that's what they're we're saying. We're a Germanic tribe, aren't we? We're, well, essentially, no. we're... We are... Um, we are we, the, no. Um, what, if we just explain the, the timeline of England, ignoring Scotland and Wales from, and Ireland for a moment. As you well should. Yeah, as well we should. Um, prior to the Romans arriving, um, there were a number of tribe, tribal societies uh, around the United, what is now you know, Great Britain, the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. The Romans arrived and took overall charge, and then the Romans, after 400 years, left. That threw the, 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 the nation into chaos a little bit, and we went back to being more tribal, uh, and there were also an influx of... Uh, foreign. Uh, they were. They weren't. They weren't. No, this was. This wasn't. Uh, yeah, uh, they, these were economic and uh, uh, economic migrants from the continent, uh, oh. predominantly two Germanic tribes. Predominantly two Germanic tribes: the Angles and the Saxons. Where and did they the came from? Uh, well, they were there as well, but I said predominantly. <laughs> listen to what I'm saying. Predominantly, the Angles and the Saxons who came from the area of Denmark. Um, and sort of the Baltic, the Baltic coasts. A little while later, um, in the 9th, 10th century, the Vikings had started to come out of Norway, uh, and they raided along our western coast and came down the west side of the, the country mm-hmm. uh, before crossing and invading. And had, they had sort of lots of battles with the, Ang- with the Saxons, um, uh, burning cakes and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And that's where, where we get... That's, in- that's a part of history. Yeah. So that's the, the Dark Ages. Of the Dark Ages. And it was called Dark because they hadn't had electricity. Yeah. Well, no, that's true. So, I mean, no. so it, was, it was actually but, called that because it was dark. I mean, why are we all... invented the light bulb? Yeah. Psychics. <laughs> uh, besides the point... How Why does it all... change your light bulb? Yeah, I saw. Well, that, that, yeah, that no, was... I don't. I don't want to go into that one now. That was really interesting, but anyway, um, you know, why are we all hung up in our heritage? Because people say, "Oh, we're Irish, we're English, we're well, whatever." But in reality, I mean, you can go back even farther and farther, right? I mean, well, of course. I mean, I did some. I did it's crazy. We compared well, I, I did uh, a good few years ago. Uh, I did one of those DNA tests, um, DNA I... swap test, because it was it was it was done for a documentary that ran here. Now you were in the database and the, all the uh, MI5 yeah, was looking but for I, you. I, 
I did one of these because they were looking for a group of individuals to take part in a documentary to have their DNA tested. And what was discovered was, as, as I rather suspected... You paid for it? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> was that uh, my, my ancestors were what are called Hiberno-Norse, which meant that they were Vikings, essentially. Mm-hmm. However, within that, within that DNA bloodline, um, as, as common with the Welsh and the Scots... Most of our uh, sort of ancient, ancient ancestors from 30,000 years BC came mm-hmm. from the middle of France. So where those famous French cave art um, are, are originated from. So is that like a Neanderthal? Well, uh, no, 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 no. It, it are is, you artistic it, and wear a helmet with horns on them? No. Uh, no. I'm guessing our dates modeled up. The Neand- the, uh, Homo Neanderthalis died out around about half a million years ago. Cro-Magnon? Um, yeah, so our origins, you're absolutely right there, Ron. Uh, our origins are Cro-Magnon, uh, yeah. who, who migrated through to the south of the southern uh, part of Europe, around uh, France, around Toulouse, into that area, um, and where the fa- very famous French cave art was, and then they sort of spread out further through Europe. Now, There's they, no French they, in there. there is they no they, they eventually like got to... Yeah, that's uh, what you say, Andrew. <laughs> in my case, they eventually got as far as Norway and became Vikings, and then came back when did out they get of the. the uh, about when Wednesday. They... About the yeah, Wednesday. I was going to say it probably took them that long. Was <laughs> they got they got by train? Yeah, they went by train from Norfolk from uh, Newcastle. <laughs> but not yeah, yeah I mean, it, it is. I mean, we are all pretty much. You know, if you, you, we can, we can. I mean, we can trace. Them. We can all trace our roots to a common denominator. I, w- I would think. They say there are six ancient tribes globally. No, it's got to be even before that. What, from, isn't it? Uh, oh, well, before that, there must be. Yeah, well, there I mean, is. Yeah, there is. All of a sudden, there were no. six tribes. No, no there is. We all um, come from the same thing. No matter what do you believe in religion. Oh, you believe in, Gen- uh, geneticists. in geneticists. It's, it's all yeah, yeah. we came from the same place. Yeah, geneticists have actually discovered. I've actually discovered what they call uh, is it the universal mother, the the, the prototype? Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Which which was of um, mid Africa uh, yeah. around the it's Great Rift Valley. I think it was my ex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Now this this particular this particular person it's, it's nominal. There wasn't a single uh, solitary individual. It was it was a group of people, but it, they represent uh, our our oldest universal ancestor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so regardless so of race, creed, religion, or anything else, you know, we all have absolutely almost everything in common with one another. Exactly. So, so is this where the theory of six degrees of separation comes into all of this? Absolutely, absolutely. Or as I well, like I'm to a say, believer in that concept. Or I like to say, six changes of clothes. Well, it's inter- I mean, yes, sir. it's interesting how I mean this comes about for for people who've just tuned in and wonder what the hell's going on to Ghost Chronicles tonight. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I mentioned in the in the uh, a few minutes before we went on air that I was listening to B- the BBC today. Now. They're having a uh, race awareness, cultural awareness uh, yeah. season on, B- on the BBC, and they were talking to some of the some of the uh, guests, and they'd started to use a new term in the show, a term that I'd never heard before. Um, now they were describing these. This, this, they were, the guests were uh, two women, 
who had been married to uh, black men and had had a child, and they were talking about their child in terms of uh, the child being of mixed race. But they'd switched term to dual heritage. Uh. They'd rebranded to dual heritage, which was something I was commenting on prior to coming on air. That the, we we have we seem to be separating ourselves. Yeah, we're going backwards. We we're, instead of coming forward into one one sort of uh, homogenous. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's what, what we, we are. One, one homogenous race of people, which is what we are, occupying a ball, sort of whizzing mm-hmm. through a vacuum. You know, sort of slightly that is very much coming backwards. We are separating. We are we are uh, polarizing society <laughs> in a very disturbing way. That's got absolutely nothing at all to do with ghosts. No, it's I, not. I have no idea yeah. how we started down this line of conversation, but it's fascinating. Well, it, it, it is in a, in a way it has to do with ghosts because you know ghosts. Uh, you know, uh, a ghost, yeah. a ghost. We always say. Oh, there was yeah. a black ghost, or, or there was an Indian ghost. So we we don't we don't say that. We just say the term ghost, ghost. and that's yeah. Yeah. right, right. Spirit. I mean, well, it, that, yeah, well actually, you, you, more you importantly, hold on, hold on a second. Wait a minute, hold on a second, Andrew. Yeah. When you speak to a, a spirit, uh, to a mediumship, you speak to a mm-hmm. spirit. You don't speak to a, a black person or a fat person or a or whatever. You, you're speaking it's to that. Never enters my thoughts. It's only later that I'll probably think, oh, that guy was Indian or from yeah. an accent. Or, but generally, no, it's, a, you know, I just talk to It's just another person. And I don't exactly. have to know the language. They, they come through to me in my language. Um, it's this fish in the ear business. Um, oh, Steve will know what it is. It's from the Hitchhiker's Guy. Babel, the Babel you, thing. You shove, the Babel fish, that's the one. You shove that in your ear. It's that sort of effect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I hear it and I hear the accent, but it just doesn't register. It's just another person. So there you I have it. You come up to the ad break and suddenly <laughs> discover that the only way that Andrew's mediumship works by sticking a fish in his ear. Now, that's something we can yes. we pick up on in part two. He what? said, I've it, got a cinematic in the cupboard. I should go and get one. Maybe that's what he got the award for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he talks to dead people by putting a fish in his ear. What? No, Where did that come from? I'm afraid, Ron, you're going to have to replay the podcast to hear that one, but he definitely said it. All oh, right, I'll... a fish in your ear, a babelfish. There you go. It's a particular species of babelfish, which is only found in shallow waters around the Norfolk coast. And in the hitchhiker's guide. <laughs> All right, so, anyways, uh, I have no idea where we've gone now, but... Uh, <laughs> We are going up, coming up to a break, thank God, and uh, <laughs> we can get back on track hopefully after uh, the. Don't bank on it. Yeah, I know, I know. So, anyways, uh, you are probably yeah. In thirty seconds, you'll be taking a break, so I have to hum or something for thirty seconds. But, anyways, uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles um, International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick, and our special guest today is uh, a wide-winning medium, Andrew Taylor. Uh, his word that there's an award. I'll, I'll send you pictures when I get it. <laughs> oh, can you really? Really? I'll photoshop them, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you send me an autograph co- uh, picture, too? I would love one, you know. So I'll get, I the t- I'll, I'll get, a, I'll get a T-shirt done. I can, I can put it up next to Harry Price's autograph. You can do the T-shirt next to Derek Chorus. <laughs> so anyway, the there's the tunes, and we've got to take a break. And uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles <laughs> International with Steve Bossman and Pollock. And we'll be right back with the following message right here on Dungeon at Pararex and way, way beyond. 
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. Well, there we go. That was the music, and that means it's part two of Ghost Chronicles, the international edition. And our guest tonight is award-winning psychic medium Andrew Taylor. Um, we haven't yet got to the bottom of the. <clears throat> we haven't yet got to the bottom of the award, or why he won it, or who gave it to him, or. What it was for? How much you had to pay for it? I don't but, get it. But we, <laughs> well, hang on a minute. You were out dressed up in a monkey suit the other night. Um, yeah. Our monkey suit for our American guests is 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 not tuxedo. actually a monkey suit. It is a tuxedo. <laughs> you know, if you have vis- visions we of call it you know, the same thing here, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I just I, monkey I, suits. Yeah, we've we've all seen the Bigfoot footage. We've seen that famous footage. <laughs> we know that was not a man in a tuxedo. That was a man in a monkey suit. But Ron, before I mean, let's just let's just put the medium to one side for a minute and come back to psychic photography because we do get pictures sent in, and um, you know, you you prefixed your request for me to take a look at the picture with "Don't be dismissive." Yes. Um, now, to be well. <laughs> In my response, as I, I um, by dismissive, if it's it means you poo poo it before really looking well, at it. Well, I did look at it, but it, it was preferred. No, when you explain it, it's not being dismissive. Don't don't. Oh, okay. There's a difference because you never. Well, you take a fo- you take a photograph and you just look at it and say, "Oh, but that's the, a reflection." Well, without really looking at it, then well, that's being dismissive. Well. This brings us back to a, because I don't normally look at pictures that circulate on social media in a way that um, I don't comment on pictures that appear on social media. Right. And there, 
not not a day goes by without one of these pictures and an amazing ghost right. caught on camera pictures appears. Right. Now there are people who feel compelled uh, to to blog or to to tear the picture to pieces and to examine it. However, I don't, and the reason I don't is because, gen- as I said before, often there isn't anything you can do with the picture. You're presented with a picture that you weren't there during the taking of, that you've got maybe a paragraph of information about, mm-hmm. um, and the picture can be... You don't know whether it's been manipulated, you don't know the circumstances... You don't know That's the circumstances you. which it's been taken. <laughs> and I, 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 I think that, you know, I'm not in a good place... Um, in terms of offering an opinion. Um, and I don't thus feel a desire to offer an opinion, to join in on the bandwagon of, of uh, naysayers and yaysayers uh, proclaiming no, no, no. it to I, I don't look at it that No, 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 no. See, I don't look at it that way. You you look at it that way. I look at it that way. Somebody sent me that photograph, and they said, hey, yeah. take a look at it. So I will take a look at it if I want to. <laughs> and if you can be bothered. Yeah, if I can be bothered. If I can't be bothered, I send it to you. Um, so, no, the, the idea is, is to look at, I mean, I, I've seen, you know, somebody sent me, you know, pictures of orbs, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's, I might type. Orbs that's of light. Tr- uh, yeah, uh, light You've and orbs. the proper terminology, orbs of light now. They're the, they're the ones that are psychic. Yeah, or is, yeah. Or is it, says in, it says, I, it's, as it says in the official research paper on the subject, or a load of bollocks. Yeah. Anyway. Is that what it says? Yeah. Is that the that's, the official, that's the official scientific term for them. Is that the one with my photograph in? Yeah. Oh, there you go, then. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, Ron. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where I was going. Forget it. <laughs> so, well, we anyway. We to find an award-winning medium there, so... Uh, yeah, go we back have to you know, <laughs> Well, I, what I want to know, you, you said it, I'm going to go back to this point about being dismissive because often I can look oh, at a picture. Well, I can look at a picture. I can look at a picture, as indeed I, I'll wager soaking you wrong. Um, and you, you can just you can just look at it and go, nah. Oh, that's, agreeable. Yeah, instantly. Now, instantly you can dismiss yeah, them. You can, you but then you get something that are too good that you say like, Ah, uh, and yeah. that's the ones that are difficult because uh, you say, okay, it's, it, yeah, it, well, that's what you say, Andrew, but do we really know that? Do we really know that? Do we really know that, Andrew, that it is from an app, unless we do some research to see if there's an app out there that actually looks like I that? I mean, it's very simple to, to say, you know, it's very simple to say that all orbs are balls of dust, uh, but yeah. that's not necessarily true, is it? No, it's not, I, and that's I, I, that, exactly a point I've made clear on many occasions because people make this assumption that the research is dismissive of all light no, anomalies. Well, some people do that. That's what I was getting at. That's, Are you that's, talking over... I, it's very I, rude to talk over the, the naked guests. eye. Is Andrew trying to say yeah, something? I don't. Yeah, I, I see the orbs with my naked eye, yeah. and when I try and photograph those, I don't capture them. Uh, but, but, but... Orbs seen with the naked eye or orbs captured on video um, can also be reasonably explained in many cases. Uh, however, there are... Now, what's interesting, and as I've pointed out several times before, um, there are existing phenomena that have been reported that pre- predate photography um, and are non-characteristic uh, of things like... Um, 
uh, magneto. I can't remember what they're called now. Yeah, this, to call it this this eye effect that causes people to right. see science, like science you. particles. So yeah, science yeah, particles, to, clever things. Science Mag- things. There you yeah, go. Clever Phos- things. Phosphenes and magnetophosphenes. Right, particles. No, phosphenes and magnetophosphenes, <laughs> which are uh, is. Is, is that anything to do with when the sea turns green and glows and things? It's sort no, of stuff al- like that we're on about. No, right? That's algae. That's algae. Yeah, but that, that's yeah. bioluminescence, isn't it? That sort of thing. So no, it's still algae. See, I, 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 yeah, but it's bioluminescence. But it's it's something that's in nature that, that when you do see it, it it's it's well, quite it stunning. Be, if you saw if you saw an orbit sea underwater, yes, probably, yeah. But we're not talking about them. We're talking about Will o' the Wisp. We're talking about yeah, uh, the world. Go, the cor- we're talking the, marsh gas then, surely. The cor- so. Well, and also the corpse. No, not cattle. necessarily. Not necessarily. Yes. Because yeah. do you know the human body emits light, right? Yes, it does. Well, yes, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we have we have so many different possibilities of, of different things that you know we, we try to put them in neat little categories, but sometimes we can't do that because no. it doesn't fit in these neat little categories. But, but science wants us to do that, Ron. It, it's not the way the human mind works. But no, it's not just science. Some, they want us to compartmentalize everything. Yeah, Andrew, it's not just science. It's also human as well. I mean, that's why we have pareidolia. Our minds want to put them in little neat little things too. Yes, we it, want to it, see it, We don't like chaos. Yeah, exactly. Then if, if, if you so see the way I live, you, you, you think it's okay. I've got a very chaotic lifestyle. That must be the mark of an idiom then. We, we thrive in chaos. Uh, yeah, that's, well, chaos is actually, <laughs> uh, chaos is actually, uh, you know, order in, in its own way, in its own right. That, that, it, it's my own order, I think, and that's what it is. I know where everything is. It's this organized chaos almost. Then it's not yeah. chaos. I mean, the, Exactly. By the definition of the very definition of chaos being a random, non-repeating series of events, if you know where you put stuff, then it's not chaos at all. It's order. It's just it's just scru- uh, scruffy order. It's just yeah. It's it's far from chaotic. Yeah, it's- you would describe, I mean, we, we go into, say, the, the principal or the professor's office. Um, you look at Einstein's office and you would describe it as chaos, but Einstein knew exactly where everything was. Exactly. So that is far That's from chaotic. I mean. That is actually very structured. It's just not a structure that we're familiar with. So we, were, we then refer to it as chaotic. because. But what Ron said is, is, is absolutely, totally correct. And one of the big problems that we have when we're dealing with the paranormal is that our brain is hardwired and I mean hardwired um, Some to recognise paths and to, and to recognise shit. No, everybody you, you when you're looking at photographs, Steve. No, 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 that's trained behaviour. Our human yes, yeah. brain is hardwired, uh, exactly. particularly for things like faces. Facial recognition is an intrinsic necessity uh, for survival. Um, because uh, when you are a very small... Well, no, when you're a very small child, you need to know where your parent is you need to know who your parent is so you yep. you are hardwired programmed to recognize human faces and we find them in fires we find them in in, in patterns in in furniture we find them in clouds we can find faces in any set of random shapes and patterns uh, because we are our brain will construct that imagery of the human face it is hardwired there is nothing we can do to prevent that this goes all place and this goes and back to our conversation. Why? And, all right, go ahead. I didn't know. I thought you were done. Yeah, I mean, this. Well, no. This goes exactly to that picture that you sent. That I think we need to put onto the onto the page because it was of a face. Um, 
it, it had the, the prerequisites of the face and the person seeing in fact the first thing I saw when I opened the image was a face because my brain is hardwired to find faces and this goes back to our, our conversation at the beginning of the show about races and stuff, and children especially. There used to be, back in the 50s, there used to be uh, uh, a TV show, Black and White in the Old Tube with the antennas, uh, and it was called Kids Say the Darnest Things. And basically it was because a young mind is, is developing, and they, even at that age, it wants order and everything. So they say, okay... You're a fat person, or you're a black man, or you're, you know, you're skinny. Or, but that's the way they see it. They want to put that in little order, and, and it has it has nothing to do with racism or anything else. It's it's just the, our mind trying to get things in its little compartments. Yes, yeah, yeah, I, yes. I, I, and Bill also, Cosby was the presenter, wasn't he? I think <laughs> just thinking of Bill Cosby then, I? But we also have learned just behavior absorbing. on top of that. You know, yeah, I, we have I, learning on top of that. I agree with you, Steve. You know, but I, I have back at early age. We still have that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have. I mean, I've got the two boys, as you know, um, and Oscar, the youngest, who's three now, goes to to, to nursery, kindergarten in the US. Um, and there are there are you know lots of children in his group, and some of them are of different races, and he doesn't see them any different. But he does see them that they are different. They have different coloured skin, exactly. and that, that fascinates him. That, that fascinates. There's nothing him. wrong with that. And, and the, chil- no, and the children, and, the, and those children who are, are uh, of have different coloured skins are fascinated by Oscar's different coloured hair and his skin mm-hmm. being lighter, and you know the fact that he's got sort of what we would describe as strawberry blonde hair, and some of the other children have got black hair and blonde hair and because they are curious they you know we are a curious right beast you know so we like to explore the problem comes as we as we get later in life and those problems stem it into the paranormal you know we, we're looking at relevances for 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 the show and ghost chronicles but they they do extend into the paranormal because these fixed hardwired beliefs then extend into how we project um our beliefs of the paranormal. Uh, there is an old saying that you only see the God that you want to see. Um, you know, people who see lights in the sky who are have a propensity to or want to believe in alien life and UFO visitations, they will interpret those lights in the sky as being uh, alien uh, interventions, alien incursions into the air, into the Earth's atmosphere. Others will see them as natural phenomena, um, and if, if we take the work of you know the work of Cal Cooper, friend of the show, um, with his telephone calls from the dead, one of the things that uh, Cal and I talked about, and um, we, we discussed indeed on a, on another episode of this show, was that some people will interpret these phone calls as being from deceased relatives, whilst others whose beliefs are in line with uh, the alien visitor will see these will interpret these these phone calls that they receive as being from aliens. So we have this learned behavior, this nature versus nurture uh, patterning that overlies this uh, basic human hardwiring. So the, the program, you know, we have, uh, we're like a computer, we have a basic operating system, but then we have apps that are put on top of it. And those apps are what we learn from our parents, from our, from our, uh, our peers, from from school, from society that we live in, 
Um, and they, they do then affect our judgment and the way that we interpret our environment and our surroundings and pictures that were presented, uh, sounds that we hear. What's interesting, if you take that in terms of EVP, electronic voice phenomena, uh, if you are uh, of a lot of the uh, uh, EVP experiments that were done the pioneers by Konstantin Raudiva and Friedrich Jürgens. Both of those interpreted the uh, EVP responses as mixed uh, polyglot multi-language European. So you had Latvian, German, Russian, Estonian, Latvian all mixed in together in, in what the, because that's where they were from. If you then go to the other side of the Atlantic to North America, where the EVP researchers working in the 70s uh, and 80s, they were getting very much uh, Americanized English responses to their electronic voice phenomena. So we do have these sort of, uh, you know... It's an expectation almost of, of what you're going to get. Yeah, but, but that expectation that's, that's you is... Can buy into. Yeah, but that expectation is coloured by our upbringing and by what we watch on the media and by you know, our peer groups and by our parents. As a, as a psychic, we, we're always telling people that, that spirit will contact you in a way that you are comfortable with. Um, now, some people can take seeing a full-on apparition. Other people, they're going to jump you know, <laughs> through the ceiling at that. So that there are more subtle things. But maybe we're all seeing one thing from different angles and perspectives that we can actually handle with our sort of... As you say, you've got the hard wiring in all of us, but then you've got the, the learnt behaviour, and it's, it's how it and faith comes into that as well, and that's how we perceive the same incident. If you know what I mean, hey, faith is a learned behaviour as well. Mm-hmm. So how yes. does sticking yeah. a fish? Yeah. yeah, no. So how does sticking a no, fish? This, this is the Bible fish. This is the Bible. This would sort out the Estonian polyglots from the Americanized. What? Yeah, the, the Estonian polyglots on the one side and the American English on the other side with the red Eva bits and all the rest of it. I'm just repeating Steve, really, because I fell asleep for a little while then, but there you yeah, go. I don't, I don't, yeah. <laughs> you have to put up with it more than me, Ron. So. <laughs> There's only one so, of us is award-winning. True, true. And, and we didn't me. get around to talk about my airfield either. Mm. Well, we're about to, because you had an experience this week, this week just gone. Last, um, no, last, last Wednesday. Sorry. Well, this week just gone. Wednesday, so it's no, Thursday. Yeah, this Thursday week just week. gone. So, yeah, so it's within the seven-day time frame of the, 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 the this week That's just gone. Albert, just come out with it. Yeah, it's so would you fresh. like to about Do your you very rare psychic cat? Yes. Well, basically, um, you're aware that I live in East Anglia, I live in North Norfolk, and where I live is surrounded by a lot of World War II airfields uh, used by the RAF, um, the Royal Canadian Air Force, um, the USAA, what is it, USAAF? I Army Air Force. Yeah, the eights, whatever they were. Well, and basically, you know, I've got a big interest in aircraft and, and bombers in particular. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty up to date with what was happening, uh, specifically on the bomber side of things more than anything, um, and bomber command. But we, we're about two and a half miles from uh, where, which was a fighter base at RAF Matlask. Um, the actual village has got an E on the end. Um, the RAF dropped the E for some reason. It was just Matlask, L-A-S-K, M-I-T-L-A-S-K. Um, now, I've driven across 
the well around the edges of the airfield several times with um, Terry in the car, my partner. Never had any sort of experience or any strange results. But last Thursday, I decided I needed to get to Sheringham. I dropped her at her father's in Islesham, and I was going up a different road, which skirts the eastern side of the airfield. And I suddenly heard like a droning sound, and I thought, I'd got new tyres on the car, which I'd had on for two days, and I thought, have I picked up a stone? It's something to do with the tread, perhaps. But then it got louder. And then I was aware of what sounded like a Merlin engine starting, coughing and barking into life. And then I could hear this engine. And, and in the end, I, I just thought, oh, I've got to pull over. So I pulled over. Um, I was feeling nauseous. I've got both engine sounds racing in my head. And then I just got this rush of flame. And, and I'm looking at parts of well, this time, as I said, I got out. And I was physically sick at that point on an empty stomach. Um, it took me a good 15 minutes to wool gather and get my thoughts together a little bit of research afterwards into the site there was a raid there i think it was sort of five dornier 17s came in and there were several people killed uh, there was also aircraft damage but i got the impression that i was either well i was a pilot in one of them uh, if it was the raf then yes i couldn't get the plane up i was moving it because obviously as soon as you've got an air raid on everything got up in the air and i was trying to get up and i couldn't make it or if I was one of the Germans, then I'd come down so low, I was obviously strafing it with gunfire rather than dropping bombs, and I couldn't get back up. But either way, I get the impression I crashed. And there was this rush of flame, and, and that's where it sort of stopped. But I've got one of the historians here, because I've, I've looked online, and I've, I've found out about the raid, but I've got no details of, of what exactly happened. So one of the local historians is looking through his records for me. He's going to get back to me on that very subject, so... There, there's a possibility I'm going to go around and sort of throw some of this in and, and produce some sort of book from it. So we shall see how that one goes. That's interesting. In, so, in, my, you know, in, my, in my book, uh, Ghost Today, I, I describe an Air Force, uh, I mean, a uh, British base where uh, planes used to crash. Uh, they'd run out of fuel or everything. And, and somebody, uh, trying to get the whole story, but they found a, a pocket watch. They were led... And the pocket launch ended up uh, from uh, relatives in the U.S., and they were able to track it down and everything else. Are, are there pieces like that around that place, uh, Andrew, where there, you can pick up psychometry there, there is, and stuff? There's got to be. I mean, there's not a lot left on a lot of the airfields. I mean, I'm surrounded by them. You know, you, you mentioned the village name, and there was an airfield there. Um, the one at Matlask, it was actually a, a dispersal field for Coltishaw, which is about four or five miles across to the east. If that was being attacked, the, fl- the fighters came in at Matlask. Um, but there was also, a, you know, a few planes permanently out there. And Coltishaw was attacked a few nights before, and they were sort of using Matlask as the dispersal to fly from. When you can imagine these five Dorniers turn up and start, start dropping bombs everywhere. But th- th- there has got to be more in the ground. You go out there and you'll find in sort of blast pits, shelters, large sections of runways um, farmers are using for hard standing still. Um, and there's some of the old bunkers with the control rooms. So it's it's just going out there and, and having a sort of a, a dig round with the permission of the, the landowners, of course. But, you know, it's going to be very interesting. I need to go back out to Matlas now with Terry um, just because I don't want to go out there and lose control on my own. So I need her with me, and we'll see what we can connect with and, and come up with some details, and then perhaps try that around a few of the local airfields and, and see if I can put some experiences down and tie it in 
with the known history. It's, it's digging that bit further than what's available instantly on the net. It's, it's something that I, it, it was so vivid. I said last week that it, it was the most vivid experience I've had since I moved here five really? years ago. It, it's up there with, with some of the most vivid and, and sort of intense experiences that I've had in my life. To actually pull over, to stop to get out and be sick. And as I said, I was on an empty stomach. It, was, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't comfortable. Um, the, the rush of the flame, I felt it. I felt every, every lick of those, those floods. It was like a fuel fire. It was a ball of fire around me, and I felt that completely. And the nearest I got to that was one time at Carew Castle when I picked up. I didn't know it had happened. There was a, there's an airfield at Carew in Pembrokeshire by Steve's, and a plane was landing there from Coastal Command, uh, came in short of the runway and crashed into a small stone quarry, which was used in the medieval times to build the castle. I didn't know anything about it, but luckily the member of staff that was sort of looking after us that night on the investigation, he was also uh, one of the amateur historians at the uh, the airfield next door, and he told me, yes, he said, what you picked on, because I, I felt, I'd I, I laid down, and my legs were on fire. I said, my legs are on fire, I'm burning. And you actually said they felt were like they were burning? I felt my legs were on fire, they were burning. Um, I've got to get it taken off me. And, and when they actually got me back up, he was explaining to me about it. He said that the guy had come into the quarry, he crashed there, and they couldn't go out and find him till the next morning. By which time, of course, he, he, he sort of expired. He burnt in the cockpit and his bot medic. But that was it, it was finished. But it was just when, when you hear these sort of facts. And it's, it's not something you see plastered all across the net. Um, along with Matt Lask, the only details I can find is that there was a ride, there was a loss of life, and aircraft were damaged. You need to go to some of these sort of, um, I don't know, you know, people like myself. Now I'm saying I'm going to put some of these bits and pieces in a book with my psychic sort of feelings on the, on the, the different fields and get the, um, I don't know, the, the cottage sort of historians out there that, that go out and get all the records and, and compile a sort of more articulate history that you can access and get the full story, the full details, because a lot of the official records are very short. You know, it's a logbook, you know, sort of watchbook in, a, in the control tower, and, and there's about, you know, one line of text, and that's it. You don't get the full story. You don't get what people saw, what witnesses saw, and that's what I need to sort of back up what I'm feeling and sensing. So, so hopefully we're going to try and tie into that. Which should be interesting, be, actually, I hope. And, and it might be worth you digging out a series of books called uh, Ghost Stations. I think there's about 13 oh, volumes. Oh, oh, you got them now. Oh, um, yes. quite a, there's quite an extensive series of them. And there's also... The, the, uh, they call them ghost, ghost airfields. And, and, and they, they basically... Because they're old airfields. And, you know, you're looking for the ghost in the land almost because a lot well, of them Bruce, have been grass. Bruce Halpenny... Bruce Halpenny wrote the books. Um, I think it, yeah. I think basically he discovered that there isn't, there's no such thing as a not haunted airfield. Um, really? You know, the, the, in fact, during you know, uh, over the years, I don't think I can recall very many um, ex-military airfields that don't have a ghost story attached to them. Um, all of the ones, certainly all of the, the ones. Pizza. Yeah, that's the pizza. Certainly that's all the ones out here. Tonight. No, it's not. All of the ones, certainly in, in Pembrokeshire, of which there are around about a dozen um, that I'm aware of and I've visited, um, each of those does have a ghost story attached to it. RAF Hemswell, which I was watching the other day, it's on Bargain Hunt. I don't know if they get that in the States. It's an antiques programme. 
there's an antiques market at RAFM as well now, because obviously it's not no longer an RAF place. Apparently, it's the most haunted RAF airfield because it's got something like thirty recorded ghosts. Yeah, various. These these claims are most. In fact, there is there is a very good series of recordings that were made in the late seventies, early eighties, um, at one of the Lincolnshire airfields, uh, and they they were you. This was uh, during a series of investigations, part of which were also done at Borley Rectory, and these were all recorded, and they, they've long since disappeared now, but the original recordings uh, were available for sale on cassette uh, way, really? way, way back in the late 70s. I've actually got them. Um, oh, cool. And they, they have some very interesting sort of uh, recordings made of uh, noises, what we might call EVP, but they're more likely not because uh, they, you know, that they were fully aware of the sounds that were being made at the time. In fact, there's a very interesting I, one of the. So those are uh, clear. Uh, those are uh, what would they call those? Well, there's one way you have voices, or uh, well, it, it would just be sound. Uh, it would be the case because yeah, it, yeah, 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 it wouldn't but, be sound because it, what, there's one fascinating one which was done at the RAF air station uh, where the media. So, anyways, is, we actually ran out of time, so uh, we've got to wrap it up. I, I do want to mention Andrew Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us today, but uh, there will be no Ghost Chronicles uh, Next Generation tomorrow night. Uh, thank you. Oh no! Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> One thing I do want to say is a week from tomorrow, we will be doing a live radio broadcast like the old-time radio of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, on, you can tune in and see it live, uh, videoly, and also audibly. So, so that's one week from tomorrow. So uh, thank you so much, Andrew, and have a good night, and yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Yep. Yeah, go well, stuff that turkey. At these airfields. <laughs> When yeah, I get out it. there and investigate. Yeah. Good night. God bless. Good night. God bless. Happy Thanksgiving. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us 